0: The idea of Slow Ways is that it is creating tools that will allow and encourage and sort of be the catalyst in getting more people to think about more ways in which they can walk to more places, walking further as well. Sometimes we think of it as being, we're probably not trying to get people to do the kind of couch to 5k. We're probably trying to get people to do the 5k to 15k.
1: Welcome back to Head Right Out. My name is Zoe langley Watham and I am just so delighted to be back here again with you. It feels like it's been forever. I have had a break for a while. I am still juggling some personal family situations. I've been needed on so many different levels and have valued this time with my family and the time away from editing the podcast. It's still my passion. And it still inspires me each time I talk to another amazing woman for Head Right Out. But I know I have to give myself space to handle the important life stuff and be there for those that I love. It's that thing. It's family first, always. So thank you for understanding and still being here with me despite the gap. Now, I have some good news for those of you who haven't been following along on social media. Head right Out took the runner-up award for the best health and well-being podcast in the Podcasting for Business Awards 2022. That was back on the 3rd of March. I was utterly floored as Head right Out is such a new show. I, I didn't expect this. It was just a great experience and just to be shortlisted was enough. And in addition, the show also came in at number 13 in the top 20 of the listener's choice. So thank you to everyone who voted, everyone who listens and supports me. And thank you to all the incredible women who have talked with me and shared their experiences for me to share with you on Head Right Out. Without their honesty and willingness to open up to me, Head Right Out wouldn't exist. And I must say a big thank you here, too, to Mike, my husband, who is my biggest fan and supports me through all of the times when I'm banging my head against the side of the boat because my editing isn't going well or the internet connections dropped out. So, yes, Mike, thank you so much, too. Okay, today's conversation is with Hannah Engelkamp, otherwise known as Seaside Donkey, on social media. There will be a second episode with Hannah in a few weeks time as we had so much to cover and I wanted to really keep the the two episodes focused. Today we touch on her adventure around Wales with her donkey Chico. Uh, We also talk about her life since the arrival of children including how they dealt with the difficulties I guess that were brought up because of the pandemic. But our main focus Is about Slow Ways, a new organisation that Hannah works for, who are on a wonderful mission to create a web of walking routes all over Great Britain. Let's go and find out more. Welcome back to Head Right Out, everybody. And I am so excited that today we are going to be having a conversation with... A friend and fellow adventurer, Hannah Engelkamp. Now, Hannah is a writer and editor with a background in adventure magazines and websites. Her great love is slow, resourceful, human-powered home travel. And she launched the positive environmentalist magazine, The Outdoor Adventure Guide, to wax lyrical about just that. In 2013, she bought a handsome and opinionated donkey called Chico and walked a thousand miles around the circumference of Wales. And she tells me that the adventure was surprisingly tough. It took twice as long as she'd intended. And I think that generally happens for a lot of adventurers and was a real learning curve for a woman who, in retrospect, realised that she wasn't really an animal person. Spare a thought for Chico, who Hannah suspects already knew he wasn't a people animal. Now, thoroughly knackered, she subsequently rolled straight into a hugely ambitious seat of pants crowdfunding campaign, and it was very successful, coming in at 25% over budget with 831 funders, and I was one of those funders. They were from all over the world, the book and feature-length film of The Walk, called Seaside Donkey, both of them were called Seaside Donkey, were published in 2015, only a fortnight before her next huge adventure, her first baby was born. So for the last six years, Hannah has struggled vigorously with being arrested by motherhood and has found endless similarities between donkey and toddler. And we're going to talk to her a little bit about that. Now, eventually she ploughed all that maternal angst into research and writing for a project on de-domestication of parenthood, rewilding versus farming in a Midwell's context and belonging. This project so far includes work published in New Welsh Review, a TEDx talk, a Hay Festival appearance and two extended research events, Camping on a Hill with Children. I love that. And there's a manuscript in progress. The book is funded by the Arts Council of Wales and it includes a cuckoo as an omnipotent narrator and it's well on the way, except that Hannah has got waylaid by something else, which we are also going to talk about in a moment. So, Hannah, welcome to Head Right Out. I am so pleased that you're here to chat with me.
0: Thanks very much for having me. (laughs)
1: so oh my goodness me that there is so much in there and I've left a few bits and pieces out because obviously I didn't want to reveal too much in one go but that was a a great snapshot of what you've been doing for the last however many years I'm just interested to know what your life would be with without adventure because you seem to be such an adventurous spirit and every time I've talked to you or walked with you or watched you speak you just appear to be, you are adventure to me. Your you, your spirit just seems to radiate you really. Oh, well, that's adventure. very lovely. Yes. So please, yeah. What what would your life be without adventure? I think, I don't feel like I have done lots
0: of adventures. Like, you, you know, you must talk to a lot of people who've just got a kind of a, a global back catalogue of thing after thing after thing. And you yourself set yourself challenges, which are a quite bounded, significant things to achieve. And I don't feel like I've really got that. So I guess if I radiate any adventure, it's hopefully just a desire not ever to do things accidentally, not to sort of sleepwalk through things, and that kind of thing. So that wherever, whatever it is that I am doing, I'm trying to do it in a way that feels as beneficial in various ways. And so often that is basically by making things kind of harder for myself, which I suppose might be a definition of adventurousness.
1: <laughs> I was actually going to suggest that because I have a lot of women that say to me, oh, I couldn't possibly talk to you on the podcast because, you know, I haven't done, you know, half the things that some of the women that you talk to have done. And oh, you know, my story wouldn't be interesting at all. And and what I say to them is that actually what you're doing in your everyday life is adventurous. It's not necessarily that you have to go and climb Everest or you have to jump out of a plane. And I know I did jump out of a plane a few months ago, but that was just kind of as a result of lots of people saying that. And I thought, oh, to hell with it. You know, I'm just going to do it. (laughs) That'll be day 100. But yeah, so I, I think the sense I get from you is that you just have this adventurous spirit that you want to seek adventure in your daily life or in in the way you approach things, perhaps. I mean, even in the way you write, it might not be happening for you day in, day out, but particularly in the way you write as well, it, it comes across. Am I, yeah, I know, am I, mean, I barking up the wrong tree there? No, no. If
0: anything, I feel like I've got a bit of an aversion to, you know, adventure as a word or a concept, because it does seem to me to be something which can be used to try and differentiate yourself or to plot yourself compared to other people on no. a scale of adventurousness with more adventurous being, or, you know, further out of your comfort zone or whatever being preferable. And I, I kind of find that hard to swallow partly because it's just, you know, incredibly privileged, like so many people have to deal with so much stuff that I'm never going to have to, hopefully, mm-hmm. fingers crossed, never going to have to deal with. And so the the very concept of making your life difficult, and then crowing about it, I find quite hard to stomach. And certainly with the donkey walk, I didn't want to force people to read a book or watch a film that had any kind of poor me element to it, because I knew this was a hardship, series of hardships of my own devising. And I was just You know, I was really lucky to be able to go and do it, and I feel like the world is is very much full of hardships, and I didn't want to add to the sum of those. That makes sense.
1: Yes, it does. And I know, I mean, a
0: lot of people, and a lot of people in this country, you know, I mean, you can be sort of financially privileged, but uh, still have traumas or backstories or whatever that you need to use adventure to work your way through and that's absolutely valid but I don't really so I don't want to (laughs) I don't want to have to ham up the jeopardy of what I want to do which is essentially just trying to make my life more enjoyable in order to fit into a mold of adventurer.
1: We got deep all of a sudden didn't we? (laughs) We so, So did you do the challenge walking with your donkey? Did you do that then because you wanted to go and enjoy yourself? and you wanted to do something different? Or you did you do it because you wanted to challenge yourself? Well, here I come unstuck a bit, because I did take
0: the donkey. And I think I probably owe it to people to be honest about the fact that and everyone will know this to be the case. Anyway, I'm sure they'll have guessed. I took the donkey to draw attention to myself. Let's face it. Yeah. (laughs) I, (laughs) I was already a writer. I'd already been writing the Outdoor Adventure Guide, which actually I kind of launched a later incarnation of it. It used to be, a you mentioned in my bio that I launched it and then I felt bad about that because it did already exist, but it existed as a, as a kind of a international travel supplement sort of a feel. And I launched it as a kind of positive environmentalist staycationy y sort of thing in the UK. Mm. It's just a point of order. So I've been writing that about mostly about how to, I'd used that as a bit of a sandbox for myself, but I had to bring adventure into your everyday life and how with the right attitude towards it, walking the dog was an adventure and stepping outside your front door is an adventure. And and that fitted in for me to a, a sort of a make-do and mend agenda mm. and an anti-commercial, anti-long haul flight pro incorporating it into your everyday life version of adventure so I had already been writing about that for quite a few years and I obviously in in the process of doing that I'd come across all sorts of adventurers doing interesting things so I had well had in mind that that was the sort of thing that was a viable lifestyle choice (laughs) and I also and, and being a writer I also thought it'd be you know quite nice to try to write something about it and the Wales Coast path of course had just opened up yeah uh, the year that that year so I was writing a little news article about it for the Outdoor Adventure Guide and thought actually you no, it wasn't it was a bit of a gap a time gap anyway I it was, was a writing a news ago. article it, was, it was a long time ago I know and I'm getting a bit fuzzy <laughs> we'll probably get to that in the middle-aged part of this conversation <laughs> uh, yes so the uh, Wales Coast Park was opening up and I was writing a news article about it and I just thought I was living in London and Wales is my country where I was born and brought up. And I just thought, actually, I don't really want to be writing a news article about it. I want to be doing it. And then so I kind of decided to do that. And then I thought, I I know I had this little mini epiphany uh, that if I took a donkey, then people would pay attention (laughs) and I'd have something to write a book about. And actually, I was dead right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that no one wants to read a book about a woman walking on a footpath, but you do have to have something else, you know. And I don't have a terribly traumatic Raina Wynn style backstory or something to be working through. So I kind of went for the comedy vote instead.
1: (laughs) I'm envious. I'm in the process of writing. Well, no, actually, I've done the writing. I'm in the process of editing now my Southwest Coast Path story. And yes, I don't have half the story that Raina (laughs) Wynn produced, obviously. But yes, you've got to make it what it is. And yeah, there's not too much trauma in there. There's a lot of truth, I guess. Um,
0: I think, and although I send myself up about it, it fitted into my view of the world by the the animal kind of exemplified the slowness and the uh, literally Uh, but also it harked back to the way these roads were originally used often we were walking Mm. on green lanes and drovers roads and things Mm. and also people recognized it for what it was straight away in a really gratifying way so people just saw an animal and a human walking together and they just it was like maybe a a part of them that was like I don't know this might be a bit esoteric but like a ancestral understanding of a person and animal doing something together and you know walking is the kind of correct speed of
1: yeah. of humanity
0: over the 200,000 years up until the last 50 you know that we've been around.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, I think I can understand that because it would catch my attention, but I, I wouldn't be shocked by it. I would I sort of almost expected when I'm on a trail to see people on horseback or with a mule or a donkey. I mean when I did the Camino I saw a man walking with uh, it was a couple actually walking with a donkey. Yeah, so that I can see what you mean about it perhaps, you know, harking back to something in in our ancestry. So And we
0: walked through some places where people had, especially the North Gower in South Wales, we walked through a couple of villages, linked villages, where up until even only 30 years ago, they weren't allowed to have motor vehicles on the estuary, and it's a cockle-picking estuary. So in other places, people had to be 60 or 70 or 80 to have the living memory of working with animals. We did meet those people all the time, which was great. But on the estuary... It was in the living memory of people in their thirties, and that was tangibly, you know, noticeably different. That people would lean out of windows, and then people had been really sad when motor vehicles, when tractors and things were allowed to go out on the estuary. Wow. And so people rushed up to tell us those stories, which was really gratifying. Oh,
1: yeah! Me. And so, and to hear that, you know, I would be quite honoured to to have a story like that shared with me. Mm. I mean, you must have felt it's, it's like somebody's revealing something to you that means something to them.
0: I think so, and because working. And walking with an animal is something that actually is really like I'm not an animal person, actually. And so I hadn't seen this coming, but maybe it was probably all the more powerful for that. If you get on with an animal, the two of you are of one mind and of one job and you communicate with each other on that nonverbal level. That's really deep. And it's something actually that dog owners already know. <laughs> But I'm not a dog owner. In fact, I've never really had a pet. So it was, it It took me by surprise to see how that nonverbal communication can sort of strike at something deeper. (laughs)
1: so I am really desperate to kind of dig into that deeper but I want to save this I want to (laughs) yeah I'm going to wrap up the Wales coast path slash circumference of Wales story and just tuck it over there to one side for a little bit because we're going to have a completely separate conversation about that for another episode because the story of Seaside Donkey and Hannah really does need to have an episode all of its own. So I hope you're okay with that, Hannah.
0: Absolutely,
1: yeah. But I'm interested to know. You said something a moment ago about having this almost an aversion to the word adventure or adventurer, and I'm just interested to know what would you label? Oh, no, I don't. I don't like the word label. But what would you call yourself if not an adventurer? If you had to give yourself a title in that respect, and again, it's it's not a label. It's not a title. It's a, just how would you refer to yourself if not an adventurer? Bearing in mind some of the things that you have got up to. <laughs> 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 well obviously you know it tickles me
0: on the tummy when people consider me adventurer of course I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, you know egotistical <laughs> as the next person so you know it's a bit of a like oh shuck oh don't oh don't be silly I'm not an adventurer oh, at the blush. same time as then <laughs> suggesting that I have some big problem with it so I'm aware of that as well <laughs> but then you know, so many the things that I've done from that outdoor adventure guide, and then what I was trying to do with the book in making it lighthearted and trying not to suggest that it was something that only I could do because only I had this metal to you know actually do this. I, I want not to put myself apart from other people because, like, actually, I, I don't. I think a lot of people couldn't walk around Wales with the donkey, but I think it's the donkey element. That was the issue there. I think most people could broadly walk Grand Wales. And a lot of that is not giving yourself the choice. So I think probably that's what sets adventurers apart is Mm -hmm. that they just don't give themselves you know, they make a, an idea. (laughs) They they come up with an idea and they tell everyone about it and then they can't get out of it and, and then they fulfill it. And I think that that's the kind of core of adventuring, isn't it? And so I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not coming up with an answer. What would I call myself? The other thing is that I haven't done another grand, uh, ostentatious adventure like the donkey walk. For the first few years, I was doing the, the crowdfunding, which was easily as hard as the walk. And then I was writing the book, which was easily as hard as the walk. And then I was finishing the film, which is easily as hard as the walk. And then I had a baby, which was easily as hard as the, <laughs> as the walk. And then I had a second baby. I was going to say, so it's actually, been another one. There's too. been like, yeah, there's been five life events, not six, since the walk, which were all in a way as hard as the walk. Only it's the walk that is unusual and special.
1: It's been massive. So. <laughs> but have you found that that's filtered into your life with children now? I mean, have you gone off on mini adventures with children, even if it's just like, you know, two or three days? Have you found that you've tackled things perhaps with the children that you might not have done had you not gone off on the walk around Wales?
0: Perhaps Actually, the challenge for me has been to try to shelve that Like for the first few years, I tried to keep up with that. And I had definitely underestimated, first of all, how much I had a cesarean with my first baby, not intending to have one. And so that was my first experience of physical trauma in a way. You know, I I actually suddenly had accessibility issues where I never had before. Mm. So that was an interesting, humbling experience. And then I had the accessibility issues of having a small child. And he, it turned out, was extremely opinionated easily as much as the donkey and didn't want to go in the carrier <laughs> uh, and that sort of thing so over the years he's six now and it's just I think to begin with I felt like I needed to be, I'm sure this is going to resonate with almost every parent to begin with I felt like I should just bloody well make him <laughs> you know and, and that that was far, I think an all right thing to do and then by the time I think you have to, your second child, or maybe just by the time you get sufficiently tired with the first one, or maybe you just learn. Like they are the making of you, children, not they are the, they break you, I think, and then they remake you. And the remade me is much less likely to just go off and do stuff because it's hard for him. He doesn't want to. He really values all the things that I don't value, which are he values the kind of stability and certainty and knowing where we're going to be and knowing what we're going to do. And those are all the The real antithesis of what I have Mm. built my life to particularly enjoy, which is spontaneity and, you know, sleeping wherever we happen to be and not knowing where we're going to sleep when we leave that day. And as with the donkey, I have to appreciate that I'm the one with the power in the relationship between me and my child, as I was the one with the power in the relationship between me and the donkey. And if you're the one with the power, you have to try to recognise that. And to recognize that the powerless party will display some funny behavior that is only clear in the context of their powerlessness. And and for both of those creatures, my son and the donkey, that powerlessness manifested as just really wanting to know where bedtime, you know, where they were going to be sleeping and what we were going to be doing and knowing in advance and not being disrupted and eating the same sorts of things and not being dragged around the place by me. Oh my gosh, routine is king.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it is. It
0: is. And it, it really hurt. But at the same time, both donkey and sun taught me a lot of things that were wrong, potentially wrong, because I, you know, my idea of what it was nice to do. So I had been writing about well-being of being outdoors and being in the moment and being, you know, at one with nature, yada, yada. And actually what I wanted to do was distances and summits and challenges and and that kind of thing. And both the donkey and the baby couldn't care less, in fact, were actively adverse to anything that was about deferred gratification (laughs) or getting somewhere other than we were right now. And both of them had a really honest appreciation of the moment and dwell in their moment. And so I had a couple of years, the first couple of years of parenting. I really had to delve into. I wasn't really enjoying being a parent particularly. I think my son was kind of particularly hard work as well. Now that I've got a daughter, I can reevaluate that one a little bit. I definitely didn't make it easier for him or for myself either. And I, I set myself these sort of mini artistic challenges to try to go out with my son and let him guide me around the small outdoors, hedgerows, you yeah. know, puddles, and sitting by a, a stream and throwing. Stones into it. You know, I was, I'm happy to sit by a stream and throw stones into it for about 30 seconds and then I want to do the next thing. Whereas he could do it for an hour happily and, mm. or, you know, probably a day and actually would choose a camping spot once we started to cotton onto this, would choose a camping spot that had a stream. And- how,
1: how long did you do that for, Hannah? The, the, or is that just something that's ongoing now? The sitting kind of by a stream. That? Well, the, you've started kind of allowing him to, yeah. to be creative with the, the choice of what you do like that.
0: Yeah, I did. And now he's six. I realised that we're coming out of the other end and that was a small stage. And there's some sad, really sad things about that, like about him starting to lose that. So I really make an effort at the moment to try and leave the house occasionally without having somewhere that we're going to go. Mm. And, And that's quite difficult because actually to get everyone to get their clothes on you need to be able to give them something you know yes. to say come on we're going to go to the park or let's go get an ice cream we'll go to the beach and I try just to leave the house sometimes with both children without a plan of where we're going to go or even if we do have a plan we don't stay in the playground for very long and then we go off wandering around the castle ruins and you know, around nice. the place just just so that they have a little bit of a sense of exploration we live in town we don't have a garden but that we can have a bit of a sense of exploration of our space and
1: and that is adventure, isn't it? That is a different form of adventure to what you're used to. But it is adventure nonetheless, because you haven't necessarily planned something. You know, each day can be different. Sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes you're having to think on your feet, <laughs> find a solution to how you're going to do something. Sometimes you're thrown in at the deep end. and it's like, Ah! <laughs> but yeah, quite
0: often I want I'm the one who wants to go for, you know, cake somewhere yeah. and they don't really, you know, they're happy with much higher level of physical discomfort than me. They're happy to be. I'll find out after a few hours that both of them have been wet through on the inside and didn't care because they were so enjoying yeah, the thing we were doing, which is lovely.
1: How was your time through COVID, Hannah, with I'm just thinking you're in a town you don't have a garden. What was the the pandemic for Yeah, it you? was
0: it was rough. I'd just got to the point, so they were just one under three uh and I had just got to the point after so when the little one was only four months, we went and were wardens of Bardsey Island at the end of the end of the Sheen Peninsula in North Wales for six months and that was that was nice and adventurous. I kind of thought to myself, well, tally, my little one is going to Take up all of my time for this period anyway, so we might as well go and live somewhere. I was determined to give myself a bit more of a buffer than I had my little boy because I wanted to carry on doing work straight up. You know, I had that thing of like, oh, it's not going to change me at all. I'm sure it'll be fine. And then with my little girl, I thought, well, actually, this time I'm going to try and give it its due and and relax into it. So we went to. It just so happened that Bardsey Island suddenly didn't have a warden because their previous wardens had had to leave at very short notice, and we were able to. Being freelance, we were able to, and me being on a kind of freelance maternity period, we were able just to go and do it. And so that was interesting because it's completely off grid, the island. It's a, a kind of a pilgrimage site, which is across a famously rough sound and hard to get to. And we were wardens, so we were looking after the ten holiday homes, kind of historical heritage holiday homes that they've all got open fires and uh, no electricity and it was really interesting so we had to do a lot of speed cleaning those on a Saturday with changeovers and and then a lot of the rest of the time was hanging around with the children baking our own bread and going to buy eggs from the farm and that sort of thing there were only there was only two farmers and us and then a bird observatory there and then the rest were guests coming and going and so So that was interesting
1: yeah it was I mean that is massively adventurous (laughs) I'm I'm sat here kind of almost open mouth thinking my gosh you've just said you haven't done anything else yeah I forgot about that interesting (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) that is mega and and so did you go off back onto the mainland to get supplies once a week or something how did you manage that we ate up the
0: things that other people had left sometimes so that that bolstered things and the farm We did eat a lot of eggs from the farm and we bought flour by the, I don't know, 20 kilos at a time or something and made a lot of cakes. And then once a month or so, or maybe even less, we'd get a Tesco delivery to the mainland and let the boatman know and he'd bring the delivery over.
1: Oh, so you didn't go back. They brought it over to you. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah. And
0: so that uh, at first I couldn't understand how we could possibly live without all the Especially with little children, you know what they're going to eat. And it's mostly blueberries. (laughs) And (laughs) how are we gonna how are we gonna cope with our Peruvian blueberries or whatever? Which is (laughs) absurd in itself, isn't it? I mean, honestly, what am I, emperor or something? Command (laughs) blueberries from Peru. And so that was a really nice thing about it was that the blueberries, after a shop, the blueberries and the avocados would be gone within a couple of days. And then we would be back to make, making our own cakes and and flapjacks and making a lot of pancakes. There were bees on the island, and the former farmer came back to deal. He'd been the bee the bee man, and he came back to deal with a swarm that had set up in a, a stone wall. And then, as he was leaving, he dumped a bin bag full of chunks of honeycomb and chunks of stone wall on our front door with instructions not to leave any of it out because the bees would find it so I spent several nights kind of milking the honey and sieving out the stone wall and that was really nice as well so some things we were really rich in Mm. and those things were you know the things that were there was some sense to the the food and the
1: eating you know it it
0: was the things that actually were there were being created by the island
1: so what expectations did you go over there with? What experience did you come back with that were different to those expectations then?
0: I realised that I'd mentioned Bardsey just as an aside, answering a different question of yours, which mm. was to do with learning from children, I think. Mm. <laughs> oh, and, and what age? Oh, and COVID, that was it. COVID. So we came back from that and I had a couple of months of deciding to take it easy, I think, before getting back into work and my little boy had his tonsils out and then so we, I gave that due amount of time which I never would have done in the past that's the sort of thing I would have scheduled into you know an afternoon and be like okay back to work the next day and so that felt kind of positive I had two children now and I was going to try and take things a little bit more easily and I mean Budsy was incredibly busy but and I mean we ran music nights and all of that sort of thing which was great and we were very visible and very you know, there met all the visitors and they all had their own things going on and we had art classes and all of that sort of stuff. So it was super busy, but it was rather more in the moment than other things. We had a bit of internet, but, you know, not very much. And it was lovely about it. And so when we came back, I was kind of determined to re-enter gently. And then my little boy went to school in the January and I was really glad about that. And I'd lined, I think I would probably lined my mum up to look after my little girl a couple of days a week or something like that. So I could start to get back into work. My, and Oshan my boy was in school for about three weeks or four weeks or something before Covid closed the schools so actually what happened was I was just starting to get that sense of myself as I re- yeah, really 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 like working I'm lucky to really like the things that I do and I'm lucky to be able to do the things that I like and I'm freelance and sort of always have prioritized low living costs I guess mm. so as to be able to not feel beholden to having you know we don't own a house and we don't have a mortgage so we and we don't have big loans and things so we have always tried to be able to pick and choose so that's always been good so I was really looking forward to getting back to work and having a bit less time with the children because I didn't feel like a natural stay-at-home mum particularly and then we had these three weeks and then we are straight back into it so actually Covid just felt incredibly familiar and I just felt really crestfallen it just felt like exactly you know exactly more of the same but it meant that we were very well versed in how to find little hedgerows and undergrowth and things and we got turfed off kind of famously turfed off the beach in Aberystwyth once on I think it must have been like Easter Sunday when they had just brought in lockdown and we were on the beach and the children were too you know I I couldn't walk with both children on the beach and so we had to sit and we don't have a garden so we just had to be outdoors because they're both very high energy children and we got thrown off the beach by a policeman. And I oh, I, I mentioned it on Instagram, and yes. and everybody really latched onto it as being just this appalling thing. But actually, in retrospect, it was, I shouldn't, brought, you know, there were plenty of places that we could have gone and hidden that were a bit less in your face. We were probably being a bit provocative, being actually on the beach, and it never happened again.
1: That is still your front garden, isn't it? As it is our front children, garden. As far as yeah. the children are concerned, that's your front garden. And um, yeah, it's very hard yeah. to just stop doing that when they're used to doing that particularly your son because he's older and has more of a sense about what you tend to do and what you don't do
0: oh I mean he's just extremely high energy and so Mm. we didn't stick to the one hour ever but we did go and jump into fields and kind of have safaris around the field you know we we kind of found it quite easy to spend six hours in one Mm. small field a little bit of paddling in a boggy bit over here and then sword fighting with sticks over here. And then a little picnic, a lot of picnics, a lot of picnics. We all bond over picnics. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's the sort of thing. I mean, I think with the whole of parenting, it's the sort of thing that I probably look back on quite fondly and betray myself of the time by thinking of it as being quite a nice period. It wasn't, it it was really hard.
1: Yeah. It's tough, tough at the time. And as midlife, women as well, you know, that particularly with young children can be perhaps more difficult for, you know, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but as we get older, you know, our energy levels are perhaps going down and are as not as not, maybe not as high as somebody who's in the just had a baby in their 20s if you've got two children and you're are you how old are you Hannah are you in your... 42 you're 42 yes yeah. so yeah. you'd have been about 40 then when that was all happening yeah but yeah so it is it's it's a tricky time but you've got through it and like you say you probably will end up looking back on it with <laughs> fondness
0: and at the time you feel like it's forever mm. And you feel like it's forever in terms of the years, but it's also forever in terms of the minutes, you know, just mm. all of it stretches and expands in ways that you're not used to, I think. when you first Well, have
1: children. I just uh, the way I see it is you just seem to have come through that and every hurdle that you've had to navigate, you have just tackled it with more creativity. You know, you have a creative mind. And you've just managed to work your way through it in a a wiggle, (laughs) But, but you've got through it. And yeah, it's something that you'll all probably look back on fondly later. Now, you've got through all of this in a a long, slow way. Uh, You've been, as you talked about, the fields, going through the fields on this safari and and finding your, your adventure through the fields. You've moved into another adventure now. And this is something that we skipped earlier in your introduction. But you were working on a book. And we'll talk about, we'll come back to the book in a moment. But you were working on the book. And then it was well on the way, but then something else stepped in. Another <laughs> opportunity arose for you. And that opportunity came about in the form of, over to you. <laughs> I now
0: have the total honour and amazing modern Kind of tech startup style job title of culture, imagination, and story lead of Slowways, so, uh, which is fab, isn't it? for so a it title! Just,
1: that is amazing. So say that again. It's the culture
0: and the culture, imagination, and story lead. That is which, incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind, it's it's pretty good. I think I sort of refer to myself as sort of the not like the head of editorial because we're a small team that suggests a, a large number of people working mm. under me, but. The, holding up the editorial end of things really yes. of slow ways and I hope that uh, a lot of people a lot of your listeners might know what slow ways is already but it is it's very new and where the culture and the imagination side the, the stories is going to be a part of the website that's quite, that's simple it's a, a part of the website that reflects people's stories mm, okay. and tells people's stories in various different ways and the the culture and the imagination part are Really exciting because this is where this new job is about uh, trying to change the landscape. And I'm really excited about this. So, in a nutshell, Slow Ways, for people who don't know, is a network that already exists now of crowd-sourced walking routes between every town and city and many of the large large villages in the whole of Great Britain. So already you can go to the website and you can plot a way list from your own town or village to any other place in Great Britain along these routes. And at the moment, the routes are kind of invented because they've been made up by hundreds of volunteers, all sitting on laptops, using, I assume, mapping, so OpenStreetMap and Google Street View and whatever other means that they had, and uh, I suppose sort of Ordnance Survey Maps. So you can see where there hasn't been any actual on the ground path making going on these are all paths that exist but the idea was to join them all up and create routes so that you could be sure of a route between one place and another and now this phase at the moment is to test all of those routes so we're inviting people to go out and test them and review them and amend them so they're places where they don't actually work because they are things that have been invented Mm. remotely Uh, so it's a it's this big kind of pioneering testing phase as we test this network Uh, it's all finite. The intention isn't to create more and more and more routes between two villages, but to find one that really feels like the best. And the best is the safest, the most direct. And only later in the list of importance is beauty and things. So the intention is the directness, that it's something that you know that you can actually walk from here to your next town, direct and trusted and safe.
1: Oh, exactly. And off
0: road where possible.
1: Yes. And it, does accessibility come into it as well, Hannah?
0: It does, yeah. So we talk about it as being walking and wheeling. Okay. And in this first instance, it's all such an unknown quantity that we certainly wouldn't want to. It, it's this pioneering phase. So we don't really know what different paths are like until people have walked them and have reviewed them. Mm. Once you get three positive reviews on one route, that route is then verified and it gets a kind of a snail icon. Our logo is a snail. So slow funny. ways, and it gets a, a snail icon with a tick on it, and then it is verified. And I think we're we're thinking about if something gets three bad reviews, perhaps that might be its its death knell as well. And some routes, of course, just are never going to be very accessible. So some of them are there's a there's a sixty kilometre route in Scotland that is just you know that is the shortest most direct way between two settlements mm. and it's 60 kilometers because that's the that's, that's and then there's there's plenty of slow ways in central london and and other cities that are three kilometers or you know even less sometimes so there's a, a big variety of uh, different routes and that reflects a big variety of different land uses in the uk yeah. And, I and think the idea really is to, to try to create, uh, this is where the culture and the imagination side of things really appeal to me. The idea is that we have a road network and we have a rail network that you just know, you know what they are. You can trust them. You assume that you will be able to get from anywhere in Great Britain to any other place, certainly on the road network and to some extent on the rail network. And we don't have anything like that for walking. No. Whereas walking actually is how people have always got around. So it's about trying to create that feeling. And that's what changes people's relationship with land. And that's what I think is really exciting. Obviously, I'm yeah, so a it's trusting
1: is trusting that there's going to be a route there. It says there's going to be a route there. And then, yeah, knowing that that is part of that network from settlement to settlement. Then I have seen, you know, various people on different groups or different social media platforms talking about it there was one in particular that he just didn't get the point of it and he said well you know haven't we already got this already you know we've got ordnance survey maps isn't that what they're for and it details where all the footpaths and the permissive paths are and the rights of way but it is different to that isn't it in a way it's not that different
0: from that so i've i've gone on long walks before i walked from with with the lovely ursula martin who if you oh, haven't yeah. spoken to yet you must because she's she's uh in your in your age bracket too yeah. right no she has, you know. been, she, was oh, then, she has yeah she has <laughs> and
1: she wrapped up our season one and yes was very popular oh,
0: <laughs> well she and I walked to Hay from Aberystwyth because we were going there both to talk uh, about walking and we figured what better way to get there than walk there so we walked across the Cambrian mountains
1: another adventure sorry just got to say that <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, all right then. <laughs> so, and, and to do that, we got our ordnance survey maps and we laid them all out on the floor and we got a piece of string and we put it down in Aberystwyth and down in Hay. And then we drew with a highlighter pen, we drew the closest footpath. So, we created for ourselves between two points exactly what Slowways is doing. So, yeah, it's not substantially different from what already exists, but I don't think many people necessarily do that already. It's very different if you, what we're creating is a tool that will help people to do what we know that some people do already do, but most Mm. people just don't think like that. No. And so because most people don't think like that, most people, most people, that's a mean thing to say, isn't it? But the idea of the role of going for a walk, I feel in modern life is either that you go for a walk from your front door and back to your front door, which is probably a short health thing, probably with a dog, or you drive somewhere and do a walk in a beautiful place and then drive home again. Or if you want to go and do a, a big adventure that really challenges yourself, that you go and you do one that has been that, you know, the Wales Coast Path or Coast to Coast or mm. Hadrian's Wall or the West Island Way or South Coast Path or something that is in a beautiful place and for the purpose of leisure. And the idea of Slow Ways is that it is creating tools that will allow and encourage and sort of be the catalyst in getting more people to think about more ways in which they can walk to more places walking further as well sometimes we think of it as being we're probably not trying to get people to do the kind of couch to 5k we're probably trying to get people to do the 5k to 15k or 20k or whatever or the first the first sleep over and then keep on walking the next day and uh, and to think then of walking as being something that is more purposeful and for more purposes and it doesn't have to mean you walk to a work appointment or a doctor's appointment, or it's not necessarily about being work or leisure. It's also about recognising all the different reasons that people walk. And loads of those are going to be reasons that you're really familiar with and talking to all these people who have been walking for, mm. walking to get over a breakup or walking to honour the person that they're walking towards or pilgrimages or like with Ursula to try to make sense or to fill her time between you know after a cancer diagnosis mm. to shore up what's left of your sense of identity after a big sudden change of direction and all of that sort of thing and those all count to me as not exactly leisure you know they are there's more purposes yeah, for definitely. walking yeah and but, people know them and I suppose no, slow ways is about making that Things that people maybe talk about in highfalutin philosophical concepts like pilgrimage, actually bringing that down to earth a bit and yes. being like, well, you know, yeah, this is making something it more accessible.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think for me, the difference between slow ways and just using an ordnance survey map, and that's not to say that you shouldn't be using your OS map, because obviously we, we you know, definitely advocate you should be using your map. But I think for me, the resource is that it's giving you a direct route that has already been verified. So like you said, it saves you having to get out all of these maps and and working out with your your string how far it's going to be or what direction you should be taking. But also the fact that it's accessible. I mean, how many times have you been on a footpath and you've reached a stile or you've reached a gate to a field and there is absolutely no way through on the map? The footpath is there. But there's no way through. And, you know, I think it's just, just having something that s- says that it's verified. I mean, I'm assuming will the slow ways routes be updated or monitored in some yeah. way? I yeah, mean, we'll, so we'll
0: carry on with online uh, mapping infrastructure and, and sort of communication tools and that sort of thing that we have now. We've got a forum and things as well mm. that will stay. So it will even when the network is fully verified, it will always you know the nature of land is that it's always going to have to remain flexible and that's always going to be something that is done by people trying things and reporting back that they when they don't work yeah so it's never going to be set in stone no that's good it will hopefully also be a capacity to feed back to local authorities and encourage you know places where it really doesn't work there's places where the idea is that it's direct so we've we've got this straight line map of of great britain Mm. so wherever where the the network is and the straight lines between everywhere a bit like the tube map is not an exact representation of what it is on the ground and it looks yeah. really nice it's kind of like a cut diamond sort of a thing yeah and then you can also you can click that off and put on the actual roots which are all kind of wiggly and the difference between the that's something we can we can read is the difference between the straight line and the wiggly line and if we can then start to feed back to how to make these more direct and join up bits that really don't work or help People give local active travel groups and things a bit of grist to their mill to go back to their local authorities and, and make some changes on the ground as well. So, I mean, it's a long project and there's a lot more mm. to do
1: well, and, hopefully and there's a lot done.
0: more capacity for it.
1: Loads, yes, loads. And hopefully it's going to help keep some of those public rights of way open that are mm. in danger of, of closure too, you know, with having so many people out there now. I mean, obviously they were mapping it all in their homes during the pandemic because they couldn't go out and explore. But now we've got that opportunity where they can go out and, and explore these routes and start verifying. So what's the next stage for this? Is There's an event coming up, isn't there, that's going yeah, to so, help this? So-
0: we're doing a, a series of swarms over this year. Swarm, uh, we, we weren't sure whether to call it swarm because it sounded a little bit, potentially a little bit maggoty, but we've decided to go heavy in with the bee, <laughs> the friendly I think, bee. I like uh, swarm. I think that's great. <laughs> it, it gets the impression of what we want, which is that, actually all the time there are people all over the country who are walking and reviewing and testing this has really caught people's imagination which is great mm-hmm. and as a thing to do and uh, there's a lot of solo walkers who just are really taking this on as a bit of a mission and who are self organizing to get together in groups and the the capacity for this and the capacity for people to use it as a tool to do longer walks and things as well and join several together is really huge or to do you know loops with them or you know whatever it is somebody described it as being like a national trail from your front door which I thought was just <laughs> really nice yeah. and so there's somebody at the moment who's walking from Brighton to New Brighton with New Brighton is in Merseyside so that's you know an immensely long walk and and other walks that aren't set in stone like Land's End or John Groats really you know offer themselves to using this as well. So I what's next for us? So there are already people walking all over the place and doing this all the time and it's really exciting and really gratifying to see on social media we've got we're the hashtag slowways on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and at Slow UK on all of those three. So every weekend, especially, I mean, there's people walking every day of the week as well, but every weekend we especially get a kind of pouring in of reviews and downloading of the routes as well. And so that's really nice. And then we thought if we had the swarms, because the original network had been set up on these hack days the first one was in person and then because of covid subsequent ones were people doing them at home but they were hack days of people sitting at their laptops and inventing all the routes and so to get some of that hack day energy into the walking of the routes we've decided to condense our badgering of people to walk slow ways (laughs) are appealing to people to walk slow ways into these days appealing Uh, and so we uh, have one next weekend in leeds And then we're going to have one in Bristol, one in Scotland, one in Wales, Scotland, Wales to be confirmed exactly where they're going to be, and then one in uh, London. And that'll take us up to Christmas. So they're going to be one every two months throughout this year. And on, on one of the nights of the weekend, each time we're having a, a get together in one location as well. So we're inviting people all over the country to do a walk. But if you happen to be somewhere near where we're having a get together, then that means that we can actually have a bit of tea and cake and celebrate people coming in. And we're going to have a bit of a kind of a totalizer going on, on the website as well. So we can see the miles ticking up and the roots being ticked off and the snails Wonderful. being bagged and things as well so that'll get a bit of energy behind it
1: so just to clarify then this coming weekend on saturday that is the is that the 28th it's the 26th 26th, so
0: we're counting friday as well for people who want long weekends so we for the 25th 26th 27th friday saturday and sunday coming up we are inviting people to walk and put things on social media and hashtag So we'll see what people are doing. Also, we have two filmmakers who are going to be walking slow ways and then receiving people's films. So anybody who does do a walk, if they do a kind of a selfie of themselves in the most beautiful place or the most awful place and their sort of finish line or if they're in a group, a kind of a group selfie or a slow 360 panorama and send that in to us, then they'll be incorporated in the film as well,
1: which will be really nice. So do they send that to Slow Ways? Yeah, we've got a Google form
0: that people can fill in to do that. So if they go on the Slow Ways website, which is slowways.org, and we've got a page called National Swarm, which we'll also put links all over yeah. the social media for it as well. And on there, there'll be a link to the form to send things in.
1: I'll make uh, sure so I put really links nice. in the show notes as well. Oh, that'd so be brilliant. So people can access Great. That.
0: And people can do, you know, some people will want to do, something ostentatious because why not so some people might want to do some really long ones if anyone wants to knock off that 60 kilometer one in Scotland we'd be delighted because we all feel that one hanging over us (laughs) at some point one of us is gonna have to go and do it if nobody else does but equally there's loads of short ones and the nature of them is that they join up really well with with public transport of course because they go from settlement to settlement so Mm. you could easily do a kind of a ring of of three or five kilometre ones in a city centre,
1: or do one and then get back by train or whatever. So it's not, they don't have to be hardcore at all. Do you know, this is so appealing, and everything that you have been explaining, Hannah, it just, it can... Appeal to anybody, can't it? It can appeal to the hardcore adventurer who wants to go off and do something long, or it can be, as you say, it can be somebody who maybe has only got a couple of hours to spare or a day to spare just to walk, say, five miles or 12 miles, depending on where they are and what time they've got, what commitments they have. And I think think that's the key about all of this, isn't it? It's relevant to anybody. Yeah, it really is. you know, you have that question
0: sometimes of what will success look like? And for me, success will be if and when, or maybe it's already happening, people start to integrate. Some people already do it, of course, for for various reasons and often not on purpose. But if you can integrate walking with real life, so it's Mm -hmm. not a out of real life thing that you just do for leisure. That's really lovely and valid. I think a lot of people do that already. But if it can be something where you think, well, I'm going to so-and-so place because I've got to, you know, drop the car off for an MOT or, you know, all the reasons why you might do one journey and you'd normally just come straight back again but maybe to think well actually that is my day off or perhaps I could walk somewhere to meet somebody and then go back again and it's just going to be a nicer journey because it's a walk rather than a difficult drive or whatever it is just to start to think about walking as something that can be integrated and therefore enrich all areas of life I think is
1: I think that was something that Ursula had off to a tee, wasn't it? You know, she would walk to her appointments and walk, Mm -hmm. you know, when she didn't have a car, she was either walking places or hitching places. And so you and Ursula did that when you walked from Aberystwyth to Hay. And I know, I, I think Anna McNuff has done it. In fact, she cycled, but that's still a slower way than traveling by car or by train. She's gone to somewhere in Europe because she's speaking there and she's decided to mm. cycle there from her home. And And I just, I love this idea that a lot of people now are starting to take more as a, a natural transit, not transition, just a, a natural progression through their lives that they can do this. We don't all have to jump on a train or get in our car to go places. I know I think, a lot of I us do have yeah. to, but, you know, it's just something else for us to consider. Well, deep uh, down, there's something
0: a bit subversive and, you know, potentially radical about it, which mm. is that it encourages people to think of time not as money. Yeah. For the pockets that you're able to do that in, yes. there's something a little bit sort of anti-capitalist about it, which is yes. what I like about it, which is that we're so encouraged to think that time is money and a lot of people won't be able to fit this or especially people with hard manual jobs or you know really early morning cleaning jobs or jam-packed in picking up the children and then getting to a twilight job you know it's really important to me that this isn't a middle-class leisure tool or a middle-class leisure Mm. message and that's going to be a lot of the work of the next few years is because it's such a new organization We're, we're just working out who we're talking to and how and and how we put all these things across. But I think if it can be that you can recognise in your life the places, the things that make you happy and how that you can expand those and diminish the things that don't make you happy. So let's say you've got a grim commute where you always get stuck, but you sit in the car at the same time and COVID sort of has had a useful scumbling effect on all of this, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. But if you had a, a commute that wasn't very long, but is always horrible because everyone else is commuting at the same time and you get home and then you sit home and you think, oh, I don't know quite what to do next for a little while. And you just sit and you look at your phone or, you know, have a little bit of extra time on Netflix. Whereas if that was an amount of space where you could a, a distance where you could reasonably do a nicer walk home and cut out that unpleasant car journey and th- therefore think about your time and the makeup of your day and the importance of different sorts of uh, mm. experience.
1: Definitely. I very often used to walk to work, um, (laughs) particularly when I was training to do my, my long trails. But that was when I lived about three miles away from the school I worked in. And I would very often walk or cycle, but usually walk if I was going to choose one or the other. And yeah, I loved that walk and it took me, you know, through urban areas, but it also took me through some countryside it took me through some ponds where there were some local urban ponds that it was just like this haven in the middle of an urban area and you know there's no reason why for an extra half an hour or 40 minutes we can't establish that into our daily routine. And I think because time is money, we feel like we have to squeeze so much into our day in order to get the best value out of that day. And, it, and it's not always the case. And we end and those up being little, more stressed. Oh.
0: Those li- even if you dash home so that you can do an exercise class or something you know it's not quite the same there's something about walking Mm. and for you having that ongoing relationship with those ponds you know over the season and having time which is not for anything or Mm. that bagginess is missing isn't it in in the time is money mentality
1: yes
0: bagginess of time and that slowness slow ways slow ways
1: I love (laughs) it well, we are coming to the end of the time that we've got available for our conversation, Hannah. And there's so much more that I wanted to touch on today. But we have the beauty of having another conversation, <laughs> that, you know, later on where we can actually talk about perhaps we can talk about the book in that conversation as well when we talk about the World's Coast Path, because I think that will give those details of your life the the time that it requires and that it deserves really because yeah I think I feel like this is a good time for us to wrap up because yeah we've flowing. got we've got right to the current in fact we've got to we next, weekend. We, yes, next weekend next weekend, and my big call to action yes. walk for us walk with us yes and that's, and and that's why exists. I don't want to backtrack because yeah. this is like the, the bit that leads on into next weekend so Hannah where can people find out more about you first where, what are your social media handles and website so seasidedonkey.co.uk and there's a shop on
0: there should anybody want to read the book or watch the film or it's there's amazing. a digital <laughs> <laughs> Shucks, there's such as there's such a place in my heart for all eternity for the 831 people who uh, <laughs> funded the crowdfunder that was that was hardcore. Uh, thank you. That's all right. You're
1: welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's
0: also, it, the book is also on Amazon. Uh, so, you know, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, the, the, the big A. <laughs> the big O.
0: Uh, yeah, so it is there as well. But if you buy it from me, I'll sign it.
1: <laughs> and so people can get, can get it from you via the website. They can, yes. yeah. yeah. So
0: seasidedonkey.co.uk. And I'm also seasidedonkey on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Or something yeah. like that on all, all of yes. those if you yes, yes. We'll if you donkey. Okay. Uh, and yeah and slow ways slow ways Slowways. Slow uh, okay yeah. and
1: do people have to if they want to walk they want to join in the swarm next weekend do they have to register how do they go about yeah doing we that? do
0: so if they find their way to the swarm page on the website uh, and I will make sure that that is linked, better linked to probably from the homepage and all other, all of our social media bits and pieces. So they can register on there and then we know what people are doing. But actually, I mean, if people just want to walk them, please do. Don't let that be a barrier. The site itself will lead you through. There's also some YouTube videos of how to's for people who are new to how to find a route download the route you can download it as a gpx and then use it on the mapping app of your choice Great. or you can print out the route as well via the website then and then it'll show you through the reviewing process as well so which is all very unstressful
1: lovely wow. <laughs> that, <hope>.
0: oh, that, <laughs> oh and that, also that. and our leads if anybody wants to come and meet us in Leeds, that would be super yes. As well, and there's an event bright link to sign up to leads, but it's free. It's just so that we know how many people we're going to have. A little, we're going to have cake. We're going to have a bit of a kind of crafty, make your own map, kind of story map table as well, and a, a mini film festival as well. Of, of
1: oh, wonderful! And you need to know how much cake to make, don't you?
0: We need to know how much cake to make exactly.
1: <laughs> and it's also Mother's I mean, Day, and so we're particularly keen. <laughs> me,
0: me both exactly. Anybody who wants to, the, the Sunday is Mother's Day, uh, and the clocks change as well. So anybody who wants to make the most of that springy feeling and walk with their mother anyone anywhere near Leeds walk your mother to our, our Leeds get together and feed her
1: our cake oh we would be delighted true. that would be yes <laughs> that is the the ultimate destination isn't it <laughs> let's go for for swarm cake absolutely Brilliant. and you'll meet a load
0: of other people who are a little bit uh tired and jubilant
1: yes yes, and also and I mean,
0: One thing I haven't mentioned, I know that we're stopping, uh, is the fact that a lot of people, we've been looking for the barriers... To people walking, and one of the barriers that we hadn't particularly foreseen, uh, especially with women, is not having somebody to walk with. So we are we're we're constantly looking for ways that we can put people in contact with each other. And coming to the get together if you're anywhere near Leeds would be one way to meet other people who are interested in walking. Oh, that's
1: another tip for me. Is yeah, all of these things are things that encourage women to get out there and try something different. And for some people, going out for a long walk or going out for a walk with other people is a different thing. It's something they've not done before. We haven't talked about being middle-aged at all, have we? No, we haven't. <laughs> <And, laughs> we you busy. Know. We, we haven't talked about being middle-aged and we haven't talked about demographics. I wrote down a little thing here about demographics and I, I was thinking, gosh, I'm so intrigued about how Slow Ways has a, a plan to find out who their demographics are, the, the people that are walking their routes and using the routes. I mean, is, I'm, I know I'm going off on a tangent again and we do have to stop in a moment, but I am just so, there's so many questions, but is that a plan? Do you think they will be able to yeah, tap into I mean, that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So far, we, we ask people to sign up to the website so that you can save your routes and mm. save waylists And so that is something that we can definitely, you know, it can be a data project mm. uh, and that would be really useful. Uh, so far, we're mostly getting a sense of people from the people who are using social media. But we are aware as well of it being a two things. One is that the, the tech can be a barrier to some people. So we're looking at how to make that less of a barrier. You know, the, the idea of downloading a GPX file you know some people are just not going to get any further than that yeah, straight it's away. To that
1: could be yeah, good to somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. And then
0: also, you know, if you do, even if you do know how to download a GPS, I've got a real aversion to using maps on my phone. I really mm. don't like it. It messes with my sense of being in the world. And you know, as soon as you're looking at a phone, you're not looking at yeah. the world. So th- there's a number of things like that, that that I'm really aware that we can think of ways To make it Mm. more appealing to people who are basically great big anachronistic Luddites like I am.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I mean for me it was just (laughs) wondering if there was a plan to make sure that you were gathering that data yeah
0: yeah demographics so we're we're keen the the story element of my role and I'm working together with a community storyteller and and walker called Saira who's also a renegade guide and is just absolutely fantastic at walking with people and she's she's very quiet and she's very self-contained and wonderful and she walks with people and she just gets them and gets to the core of people and is able to help people tell their own stories so I I hope that as we start to get we haven't got a stories channel quite yet we've got a blog on the website but we're building a stories channel which hopefully will add to the tech side of the site and what I'm really hoping is that when you write a review of a route you don't feel like you're inputting data into a data project you feel like you're leaving a note for the next person who's going to Mm. walk that route and you feel like you're perhaps leaving memories on a site or that it's in itself is a slow experience and a mindful experience so it's really exciting working with tech you know in a tech environment to try and bring these things about but that analog tech tension is really exciting and interesting as well
1: I love that well, I am going to leave it there, Hannah, because if I ask you anything else, <laughs> yeah, I, it's me. I just, I'm, yeah, full of exciting things there that I just want to jump on. But we, we can talk again and we are going to talk again, which I am incredibly looking forward to. But Hannah Engelkamp, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. And yes, I shall look forward to the next time. <laughs> Great. Come for a walk. Yes, yes,
0: definitely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um. Hannah is so fascinating and I have been lucky enough to walk with Hannah a few days before Ursula Martin completed her 5,000 mile walk across Europe. Hannah, Ari Kane... And Ari was the first woman to run the Wales Coast path and offers Dyke, so she ran the perimeter of Wales back 10 years ago. Ursula's auntie and uncle and me, we all walked across the Radnor Hills together and it was just lovely. So all those links that Hannah has mentioned will be in the show notes and don't forget The Big Swarm for Slow Ways happens this weekend. That's the 25th, 26th and 27th of March, 2022. You can register a walk anywhere in the country. But if you're in Leeds, aim to get yourself to their swarm, tea and cake, map table and film festi meetup. Because it sounds like it's going to be wonderful. Now, I had a message come through to me on Instagram just a couple of days ago, actually, from Karen who is at Dorset for days on Insta. And she also is part of at Fold Dorset. Fold is F-O-L-D-E Dorset. And they are a shop based in Shaftesbury in Dorset. And she's given me permission to share this message that she sent. She says, Hi Zoe, hope all is good with you. I just wanted to say that I've begun listening to your podcast this week and I'm loving it in block capitals. You are a total natural. I'm binge listening to the previous episodes at the moment and finding so much that resonates. Brilliant stuff. Thank you. Now, I messaged Karen back and thanked her for that and just let her know that it was perfect timing for me because i had been on a little break for a while from the podcast and that, you know, how easy it is to let yourself think that it's not reaching people, or it's only your friends and family listening. So, Yeah, I thanked her and she said to me, I'm so glad this has landed at a good time. I love podcasts and listen to a lot of them, but yours speaks to me in a very specific way, particularly as I've let some of my own adventuring lapse while I've been setting up my new business and then recovering from COVID. Recently, I've been racked with probably perimenopausal doubt that my body isn't up to it anymore. My joints ache like crazy at the moment. But you and your guests have inspired me to keep on keeping on. Keep up the good work, Zoe. I'll share the podcast on Atfold Dorset Stories too, as I think lots of our customers will enjoy it. So obviously I came back to Karen again and said, this is exactly the intention of the podcast. And it sounds like you've been going through all the similar stuff to me. Doubts, aches, busy life. We absolutely must keep on keeping on despite it being difficult sometimes. And I was really fascinated. I've been following Fold Dorset's Instagram feed for quite a while since they began. And she said, we're definitely coming from the same place. Part of the purpose of Fold is to encourage a greater engagement with the outdoors, particularly among women who have been put off by the typical image of a Gore-Tex clad man climbing a mountain. We have lots of conversations in the shop about walking and wild swimming. And I just, I just love that, how these conversations naturally unfold. So Fold is evolving, Head Right Out is evolving, and I just wanted to share that really positive feedback from Karen and hope that if you can perhaps take a moment to give Head Right Out a five-star review or get in touch with me like Karen did on social media, and then I can share that with other people too. It always warms my heart to hear first-hand feedback of how much you're enjoying the podcast and the impact it's having. And if we get reviews, and um, five-star reviews too, that helps me to reach the people that need to hear the podcast. OK, that's it from me for a little while. I will be back with you again as soon as I can, as soon as things start to settle down here and... I really look forward to bringing you more conversations with resilient women but until then go and do something that pushes you out of your comfort zone something that you're going to enjoy but something that you're going to feel really rewarded by something that you can write a letter to the grandkids and tell them all about (laughs) I hope you're enjoying the spring sunshine let's get out there and head right out Head right out. Hugs to you all.